Yeah, the, the, the oh, those are those are the regular gummies, though. Those aren't the uh, THC gummies. I have gummies. no idea. It's my son, oh my my son oh. picked the bag, and oh. I... Oh, okay. you're talking about the... Yeah, the one that our friend... Yeah, those ones. <laughs> no, your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do those. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... it's we'll it's, know in a few minutes if they were THC gummies it's a, it, was, it was not, because my son bought the bag. It, it is amazing that when I put those... Any sort of candy in front of the great Jeff Blair... It is it is amazing. Seventeen how Tim many bits. how many that you take and don't save any for me. It is amazing. Seventeen Timbits you ate yesterday. No, it was two days ago. Two days ago. Seventeen Timbits. And you're criticizing me for having like five. Yeah, it's funny how you had them lined up six. on your computer. <laughs> you weren't supposed to see that. Shut up. You so, are you're not, eating, so you're eating a handful, and then you have a bunch lined up on your computer. Yeah, yeah. We no, get I, it, buddy. I, I, we get it. I didn't. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, yeah. See, I look, I have the eyesight of You have peripheral vision. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I just had, I like, I got this thing about colors. You were, oh, you were looking at it while, while we were talking to <laughs> Jonathan going, man, I can't wait to eat that. <laughs> <laughs> they had the red ones. The red gummies are the best. Ah. That's true. I did have like yeah, you I had four lined up. Eh? It was like it was like Springer Guerrero, uh, Kirk. Lourdes. The biggest one was Kirk Springer Guerrero. Oh, be nice, Kirk, and uh, yeah, and Lourdes. There you go. Kirk, he needs to be good down the stretch. It's gonna be good. I'm optimistic today, man. I think this I, this this team might be on the verge of going on a roll. Really? Here. Three days ago, you were you were yelling and screaming at me about they're not going to make the playoffs. I did not say that. A scale of one to ten, and you were like four and three quarters. And I was six point five. I mean, and I did not say they weren't. That's on make the fence. The six point five is on the fence. I, no, five is on the fence. Six point five is a little to one side. It is not leg, leg hanging over the fence. Ain't the same as you have to pick a side. I have faith in the boys that they're going to get it done, especially <laughs> with that guy that walks up to the plate hitting first. He's pretty good. Yeah. And maybe Barrios making some changes with what he's doing mechanically. That's a big deal, too. Like, that's... Well, we've talked about it's this. It's a big if, deal. If To simplify it, how do I how do I tone down the movement enough to repeat delivery all the time to where my non-competitive pitches are limited? If, if, yeah. If, if, that's if, what it's about. If Jose Barrios... Maybe it'll break more, too. If Jose Barrios corrects... We did correct the issues, but if this continues, it's almost like it, it, it's almost like you've made a trade deadline acquisition. No you, question, you've acquired good Jose Barrios. That's well said. Of, no it, question, it really is because all of a sudden now, then you got Gossman, Manoa. Well, it takes and, a lot of pressure off Alec Manoa to be the man yeah. all the time too. If you got Barrios, now you got the big three instead of the big two and whatever yeah. that and then other you got guy old, is. Got old Strip coming up. I mean, how Bob can you Ross, argue Stripling? Who? Man, I took so much grief for that Bob Ross stuff. It's amazing. So I went and I, I actually watched a lot. I, apparently there's a Netflix doc on it. I don't have enough interest to do that. But I, I went online and, and, and you know, caught At a least little. you're honest. I, I did. Most people would not have said that I don't know who that is. Yeah. So I went on and looked, checked some stuff out. And, you know, yeah, I, I can see where. To, to me, it's like Mr. Rogers for grownups. No question. And I like Mr. Rogers. No. <sighs> No, I, I actually met him one time. I he he was very nice. I met Fred Rogers. I, I thought he was terrific. I thought he was terrific. Um, 
And it's it was such a great kid show. So okay, I, the Bob Ross thing, not my cup of tea, but I I will I could see where people would watch it and come away feeling warm and fuzzy warm inside. Warm and fuzzy warm inside. Warm and fuzzy inside. Happy little tree over here. That's it. Yeah. Warm and fuzzy. It feels that house feels lost without a happy little tree. Oh, Jesus. Makes you just feel good about Let's yourself. Bring in Sweeney Murdy of WFAN. I bet he feels good about himself. Sweeney, are you a big uh, Bob Ross dude? You know, I remember sitting down probably when I was like, I might have been like second grade or third grade, and you wake up one morning and you break out your little 12-color watercolor. Not even a 12. Sounds like an eight-watercolor set, blank piece of paper, and like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. This is going to be pretty good. And, like, he makes a squiggly line, and it looks like a bird. I make a squiggly line, and it looks like a squiggly line. And before I'm done, I look like, you know, it looks like something an eight-year-old drew instead of whatever the hell else is supposed to look like. I'm like, he made it look so darn easy. I, you know, it was just so And you know what? I could never figure out because, like, I I watched, I I never watched it. Like, yesterday was literally the first time I paid any attention Uh, to it because we had some... John Schneider decided to drop a Bob Ross reference in his post game, and I had no idea what they're <laughs> that talking. Stripling was painting like Bob Ross. Yeah, but the thing I, the, the thing I noticed, the thing I noticed, I watched maybe like twenty minutes. How, how was the dude able to not have his watercolors get messy, right? Because it always seemed to me like yeah. the green, the green was Seriously. getting in the red, right, or really? the green would get in the yellow. You're that guy. I just thought. Well, clearly, like I said, clearly he's working it. Like you know, honestly, it's no different than you know watching a baseball game and then me going out into the backyard with my wiffle bat and saying I can do that. No, no, I can't. That guy's a professional doing whatever he's doing, and I had zero chance of duplicating it. Sweeney, after watching the Yankees yesterday, you might be able to go out in the backyard with a <laughs> wiffle ball bat. <laughs> do what oh, they did. Man, <laughs> right went there. What uh, what's happened? I mean, I was you know it was I think we may have we may have had you on. We I know we had you on maybe well, a couple of months ago when we were looking at the Seattle Mariners all-time win record and boy could that happen in the same year that Judge hit 61 home runs and and uh, why are we even playing the AL East anymore and etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> now nine game lead is still a nine game lead there are a lot of teams that would take a nine game lead in their division right now but is this just a blip or is there is it a blip that will be overcome when guys get healthy again or is there you know, is this a sign of maybe something deeper? When guys get healthy again is a big key to it. Um, something deeper is what I think fans worry about just because they've seen some of these teams, all of these teams fall short for over a decade, right? So um, I, I think there are a couple of different things. You know, in the first half when they're running out to 52 and 18, okay, well, yeah, we can talk about the 98 Yankees or the 2001 Mariners, but realistically, is the team going to get there? No, probably not. I mean, there's, there's a reason for that. So, um, but everything was going right, and they were mainly healthy. Their bullpen has taken some hits, right? And their lineup took some hits because Stanton, you know, Stanton being out really is, is an impact because, you know, frankly, Glaber Torres and Josh Donaldson should be better than this. I know they got the big hits the other night, but they should be a lot better than this. And when they've been pushed up to the top half of the batting order, they have not. Um, they've done better in those areas where the pitchers exhale in the bottom half of the order and, you know, end up doing more damage there when the Yankees have a fully healthy lineup. Well, LeMahieu was down for a couple of days. Rizzo was down for a couple of days and hasn't come back strong yet from a little back issue. Um, and Stanton's been out for a month now, right? 
And one of the guys that surprisingly helped them take off, Matt Carpenter, is mm. gone. So all of a sudden, the lineup is pretty top-heavy. You can now not have to pitch to Aaron Judge quite so much. And you're seeing some of that. Now, okay, there's still some really good hitters in the lineup that aren't doing what they're supposed to. As I said, Torres and Donaldson and Hicks just you know can't get out of his own way this year, it seems. So there's some of that happening. Well, some of that is health-related. Um, and the Yankee bullpen has really taken some hits. You know, I think we forget that early in the year, Chad Green went down to the year. You know, right. you know, here's a guy who was going to pitch 70 games a year, and he had Tommy John. Then Michael King got hurt, and that was a huge blow because King got hurt, could have been an all-star, maybe should have been an all-star, at the same time that Clay Holmes started losing it a little bit. Okay? And those guys were important to you. Why? Because Aroldis Chapman wasn't somebody you could count on anymore. Um, and Jonathan Loisega was injured and wasn't duplicating what he did last year. So think about how deep I've just gone into your bullpen right. when I'm taking Chapman, Loisega, Green, Holmes, and King all kind of out of the mix, okay? Plus Stanton. And now I'm telling you all these one and two run games that the Yankees were winning early in the year, probably because, probably because they were scoring some runs early and locking it down late. Well, now you're chasing those wins. Now you're falling behind early, and you're not scoring enough enough runs, and your bullpen deployment isn't the same. So they're losing a lot of these games, and most of them are close games, last night notwithstanding, right? So um, it's just flipping a you know, To me, it's not a great margin from what they were winning to what they were losing because you're talking about a lot of one- and two-run games on either side. And I think really the, you know, the bullpen deployment lately has a lot to do with all those arms I just talked to you about. And, frankly, the lineup is a little top-heavy, and I think – I thought it was top-heavy in the first half of the year. And when you lose Stanton, it really makes a difference. Should Yankees fans be worried about Frankie Montas? I would be because you've got nothing in your bank yet, right? Because this happens to everybody who comes from another team. He might have been, what was he, sixth in the Cy Young voting a mm-hmm. year ago? Mm-hmm. Wasn't, wasn't here. All you've seen are 14 runs in 14 innings. And this is not like a, a, an off-season acquisition where a guy's got some runway. And you say, okay, listen, he made three starts. He's going to make 29 more. No, you've got like eight more, dude. And you've got to figure this out. Um, so it's a... It's kind of a critical time of year where you don't get the benefit of three bad starts as you would like if you signed, you know, if you signed Mike Messina to a free agent contract and he starts out, or CC Sabathia and he starts out, you know, 0 and 2 or, you know, 6 ERA, you know, that's, that's not that big a deal, right? I don't have that kind of runway here, especially when the team is reeling and, you know, Listen, the other guys have started to pitch a lot better. The rest of the rotation has kind of gotten over the hiccup they had for a month. They're pitching better. But Montas is kind of important here. And you're right. Nine-game lead will buy you a little bit of luxury. Um, But you just want to see them start to play better. And it's, you know, listen, it's one thing when the stretch lasts 20 games, 25 games. You know, I think that's to be expected. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not unusual. But... When you're going on 40, 50, and you're like, okay, this is going to change soon, right? Because there's only 40-something games left. That's when you kind of 
say, okay, if you're waiting to flip the switch, you better flip it now. Sure. The, the, uh, tonight will be the fifth time that the tie-on pitched against the Blue Jays this year. Who do you think has the upper hand, the Jays lineup or tie-on? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I don't. Even, what what has he done the first four? Do you have oh, those in front of you? That's a great question. Uh, I can look it up while you talk. How's that? <laughs> okay, yeah. Like I don't, I don't have a great memory of what he was. You know, I, I think in the first half of the season he was doing a really good job of throwing strikes and limiting home runs. That got away from him a little bit. His last couple of starts, he's been better at that. And listen, this is all about a lot of things I hear about from Yankee fans are about like, oh, they're too reliant on the home run. Well, listen, like baseball is right now, okay? Yeah. And you win games when you hit home runs and don't give up home runs. And right now, that that script has flipped for the Yankees. There, you know, listen, how did you, how did the Blue Jays win last night? What was the biggest hit they had last night? It was a three-run homer yep. in the second inning. You know, that's what. Um, that's what's doing it, and um, I, I think you can go through every team. There, there's not, there is not a, a single team that scores a lot of runs that does it because they put up 12 hits a night, and they're all singles and doubles. Yeah, hit home runs. That's how you score. Yeah, his numbers against the Jays aren't bad. He's given up. Uh, I'm looking at five, uh, five earned runs. It looks like he's given up five earned runs in those outings. And, I mean, it's uh, a righty-heavy lineup, yeah, so I would assume that he has some success against them. And because, as I said, he was, you know, he was he went through a stretch where he was really good at throwing strikes and not giving up home runs. You know, yeah, I mean, that's how you're going to beat any. Yeah, they've won three. They've won three of his starts. They've won three of his starts against against the Jays. So three so out of the four, they've won. Yeah, yeah. So he's been good. Yeah, that's yeah. the point. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, and and, and to your point, like. I don't think he's faced them recently. I don't know when the last one was. So, you know. Yeah, June, middle of June. Would, okay, so I would kind of call it kind of even until you see how he comes out tonight. You know. Yeah. Uh, what when 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 you look at this lineup and you look at where they where they are right now, what should we read into the fact that Oswaldo Cabrera and Estevan Florial are up here? Did uh, look? I understand injuries are a factor. But how much of this as well is related to Aaron Hicks's Aaron Hicks's performance and, and just some of those issues? Yeah, I think a lot of it is. Here's the thing about Hicks, okay? The Yankees knew last winter that they were looking for a center fielder. Because remember, Hicks missed all of last season or most of last season with, uh, after having wrist surgery. So how he was going to come back from that was a question mark. And you're looking for a center fielder. They didn't really have one, right? Um, so you start the season, and you're starting the season. Hicks is healthy. Okay, good. Put him in center field. He's lost a step in center field. He's not as good a center fielder as he used to be. So what did they do? They put Aaron Judge in center field. And I'm sure we talked at some point during the season, guys, about, wow, look at Aaron Judge. He's a center fielder. He actually looks pretty good out there. Okay, yeah, he looks, he looks good out there. But measure him out. I mean, we marvel at, like, look at that big guy playing center field because he moves well, he's athletic. But measure him out evenly and uh, with the statistical line, it's like, okay, he's an average center fielder. The Yankees addressed up the middle defensively. They, they, they addressed defensively. You know, Donaldson was part of it. You know, moving Torres back to second was part of it. Connor full left shortstop, Trevino behind the plate. Okay? The only thing they didn't get to address was center field. Their band-aid for it was Aaron Judge in center field. Uh, when they traded for Harrison Bader and traded a healthy starter in Jordan Montgomery 
for Harrison Bader as plantar fasciitis and was in a walking boot, it told me how badly they knew they still needed a center fielder because Aaron Hicks was not doing it. Aaron Judge was not a long-term solution there, and they needed somebody. Florial coming up here and playing is your is your realization, okay, listen, Hicks is deep into this right now, and he's he's just not coming out of it. So let's put somebody else there. Cabrera is a more useful player than Florial because I think you know he doesn't have any big league experience yet, but I feel like he has a little bit more upside with his some offensive potential and where he can play moving around the field. Because you know Donaldson has been a little slow at times, and Torres has been a little slow at times, and you know as I told you, those are guys who have struggled as they've been pushed higher up in the lineup. They have had a little bit of a harder time here. So you're you're in this point where you're trying to you know stir things up a little bit. And you're, you're, you've given your veterans a lot of runway, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's fine. That's what teams do. You're allowed to do this. You don't make moves like this in May. But you're right. allowed to make moves like this in August. I say all the time, listen, don't overreact. But it's okay to react. And you're at a point in the time of the season now where you're reacting. You're not overreacting. And I think that's where they are. I think Harrison Bader, who the Yankees hope, or who he hopes, will be doing some sort of rehab baseball activity type of thing by Labor Day, um, I feel like you know he's going to be the guy they want to play in center field. And when the Yankees take the field for a playoff game, okay, ideally, if everybody's healthy, Stanton's going to be DHing as Aaron Judge plays right. Bader is going to be playing center field. They got Ben Intendi to play left now. Aaron Hicks is outside looking in, which to me creates another interesting dilemma because DJ LeMahieu has to be in my lineup. If I'm taking DH and making Stanton my DH, okay, is going to play either second or third, which means you're sitting either Donaldson or Torres, okay? This is wake-up call time for all these guys, I think. I mean, Cabrera, playing Cabrera at third one night, short another night, and probably second another night is part of this wake-up call. What would, happen, what would have to happen for Booney to lose his job? Uh, the calendar would have to move three years very quickly. Really, I mean, he signed a four—he signed a four-year contract. Yeah, you know, they—they they made very certain that they believed in him, right? And this is the guy who won 100 games in 18 and 100 games in 19. You saw the 2020 season, and last year, down year, he won 92. They went forward believing in him. Um, Brian Cashman's contract, I believe, is up at the end of this season. Um, I think it's this season. Um, I got I got to check that. But right. there's there is no sense of discord between management, you know, between ownership and Brian Cashman, between ownership and Aaron Boone, between Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. That that little triangle seems to be in step with each other. Um, what would have to happen? Listen, if they lose forty of the next fifty games, which like I don't I don't think they even have. Even bad teams don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. That's not possible. Um, now you're talking about something weird. But uh, they made a commitment to Boone last season after what was kind of a, a, a weird year. The offense never really took off. They won 92 games, got bounced in a wild card game. Uh, but they seem very comfortable with their process which you know, to this point tells me that you know, Brian Cashman isn't in any real danger because Hal Steinbrenner believes in that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they've been committed to that, and I don't see anything that tells me that they're moving away from that. The Yankees do not 
fire managers or coaches in season anymore. Right. It's been a it's been a generation since that happened. Uh, and Aaron Boone just signed a four year contract. I would I would be shocked if he was not here through at least three plus. To you, to your that. point, Cashman signed a five year deal in twenty seventeen. Right, right. Which now here's the here's the interesting point about that. He signed it after the seventeen season, which what happened then? Well, the Yankees had rid themselves of A Rod Teixeira right. era. Um, mm-hmm. They CC Sabathia only had a couple of years left on the contract. Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Gleyber Torres, all were coming up through the pipeline. The baby bombers had taken the Astros to Game Seven of the ALCS. This new rebuild had taken shape. Okay, now you move forward five years and. There's nothing left to show for it. You know, there's nothing to show. Now, now listen, the COVID stuff happened in in the middle of all this, but um, that group from 17 didn't graduate to where you thought they were going to, so now you're constantly evaluating this process. Along the way, they've they've revamped a lot of what they do with uh, performance science, medical stuff, you know, and and Cashman's overseen that. So, you know, to – to do all of that in this period of time and then change the head of it, well, now you're flipping it all over again. And now, like, I don't know that they're prepared for that. I, I don't believe that that's something that they are ready to do. I don't think there is any dissatisfaction within the organization of how they're running it. Um, you know, uh, you know, that's not, you know, fans obviously just want the results. I don't think the organization is dissatisfied with what they've done and how they're doing it, they're obviously looking for better results. Um, I, I, I could be wrong. We'll get to the end of the season, and we'll see how it plays out. But I don't believe there's much danger in Brian Cashman and his job status. It just hasn't been that sort of vibe coming from Hal Steinbrenner at all. I'll tell you, we talk a lot about uh, Aaron Judge's impending free agency, and you and I, we're, we're mm-hmm. not discussing uh, Brian Cashman's impending free agency. Maybe the most important phrase that they have, though, is Matt Blake. I mean, the Yankees have done a terrific job pitching and identifying pitchers and turning Nestor Cortez and and Clay Holmes into all-stars that Matt Blake has has a piece of that. He is a free agent at the end of the season, and I think that's as important a one as the Yankees have. Sweeney, really good of you to join mm-hmm. us today. Thanks so much, man. Great, Great insight stuff. as always. Well done. Thank you. Hey, thanks, fellas. I hope it makes some sense to you. Absolutely. You Great job. Sweeney Murdy of WFN. That is, uh, yeah, Matt, Matt Blake's done a terrific job with no that. No question. With that with that pitching staff. Look, he, he's, uh, it's thinking back to what Sweeney said about Frankie Montas, and I hadn't even, <clears throat> I hadn't even thought about that. But that was his first start in front of a Yankee Stadium crowd. Yeah. And Aaron Boone was asked about it after the game. And and it's there are, and I'm not just basing this in one start, but those of us of a certain age, we know there are a ton of guys who went to I think it was Ed Whitson uh, went went to Yankee Stadium, joined the Yankees, and they just and they just they, they just can't handle it. They just can't handle it. Um, mm. the the weight of the mm. expectations and this again I get back I, I don't want to bring keep bringing up what Alex Anthopoulos said about the Braves last year but it's really true and he talked about going out and adding guys at the deadline you want to add guys who are doing well so they can come in because Sweeney's right you got no runway 
it is August. Mm -hmm. These are all big games. There's no let's work him in gradually. And I think it was a real gamble going in on a guy who in June or whenever it was, June or July, already had shoulder issues. That's why I wasn't part of that group that got upset when the Jays didn't get him. Go after Luis Castillo. I back up the truck for that guy. Maybe they tried. Frankie Montas, I don't know. It, it, It doesn't scream sure thing to me. It does not scream sure thing to me. And uh, again, I think that they didn't have a choice. It was one of the two. One of the two was going to be a Yankee. They had no choice to get one of the two. Why wouldn't you? But and let may, me ask maybe you this. Seattle had better offer. Let me ask you this. Would the Yankees be right now in a better place with Jordan Montgomery than Frankie that's Montas. A t- that's, a, that's a tough thing to say. Because, because Jordan Montgomery's showing they're, they're, you he can, he can pitch in New they're, York. They're doing, again, he's this, comfortable in the big stage. It's about the playoffs. It's not, it's not, they, have, they basically already won the, the American League East. They're in the playoffs. It's trying to figure out how to get everybody lined Ooh. up. My one, two, three guys. My better defense in the outfield. I'd rather have judge and right than center. I go out and trade one to get what I think I need to win a championship. What do they always say wins championships? Pitching and Pitching defense and, defense, and timely right. hitting. So, yeah, I. to answer your question, yeah, they, for me, had to. Okay. Well, what if they didn't do that? They'd be lambasted that they didn't do enough well, they got, they, to they, win the they, World they'd Series. They already added Ben Intendi. They added Scott oh. Efros into the bullpen. Ben Intendi moving the needle? Well, ah, uh, come on. Anyhow. I mean, anyhow. he that, might move not, it in Blue Jay land. I, I'm but, s- well, I, I'm saying I would rather – you're asking me I'd rather have Jordan Montgomery than Frankie Montas. I'd rather have Jordan Montgomery. I would. I know what I'm getting out of him. I know what I'm getting out of him. That's all I'm saying. That's all hmm. I'm saying. I, I would I would rather have him than Frankie Montas. Only time will tell. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I'll be we willing to bet that Don't at some point, it. at some point in the next two weeks, Frankie Montas will either go in the IL. Well, two weeks. We've got September coming. He's going to be missing. Yeah, starts. A bit, that's a bit strong. I, I think they can use that as an excuse to say we're trying to work him in. Maybe skip a start with him because they're now they're uh, they're able to do it. Oh, you can do it where with a they're at. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, you're I, right. You didn't watch his stuff yesterday. His stuff is nasty. For me, it was about why are you doing that? Mm. Everybody else that's good pitches the the Blue Jays one way. All we of a sudden, see. you don't. We shall see. So, boy, you it's a. No, I just don't think he's. I, I don't think he's Luis Castillo. I, I think there's a there's a big drop off between bo- Luis I Castillo and him. I think we can him. both agree with that. But going into the trade deadline, it was two teams for both of those guys. One team was getting one of them. The other team was getting the other one, and that's what happened. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider and senior reporter. The uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. saga continues. Um. Houston Astros just continue to run roughshod over. Are they the best team in baseball? Uh, Yeah, I think they're better than the Dodgers, especially now with Walker Bueller. Yeah, I think they're better than the Dodgers. I think it's going to come down to their bullpen. That closer they got. It's that's that's what it's going to come down to. We're how does Dusty? Because you know Dusty. I hate to say it this way, and it's not fair. That's the one little thing you can pick at Dusty with in the playoffs. Who does he go to, and when does he go to him? And it's going to be the same way now. Because no-brainers, does he have them? Uh, he, hmm. 
I think he's got a lot of no-brainers. It's just that the, the, the closer may not be the... I mean, he's got a lot of no-brainers. It's just that the closer may not be the most stable uh, part of that no-brainer. He's got fine, he's fine middle relief. You can just run anybody out there. Plus, he's going to have two starting pitchers in the, middle that of the, will help. in the middle of the bullpen. So, anyhow, Jeff Passan joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and English. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A reminder that DMs are open for Barker's Back Leg Bits. You have a chance to ask questions of Kevin Barker. Maybe congratulate him on the 23rd anniversary of his Major League debut. Thank you, Jeff. What is that in terms of anniversaries? Like, we got gold, silver, paper anniversaries, platinum anniversaries. What's 23rd? You get to to say it on live radio. That's what it is. (laughs) That's what it is. I guess you're right. That's it, buddy. 23 years, man. Man, I'm old. Yeah, you are. I'm getting You're there. You're getting there. I'm getting there. You're getting there. That's all right. Beard's got a little gray. Oh, no, it's that's been there a while. That's, congrats. It's a special day. Major League debut is a special day, man. Were your parents in the stands then, or did it no. happen so quickly they it couldn't did. get up there? It yeah. did. They were there, I think, a little later after that, a couple of games later. But my parents were always there. Very supportive. What's the first thing you did when you walked into that, that clubhouse at the Astrodome, the visitor's clubhouse? Go put my uniform on. Right it actually fit. Right away. No question. And minor league uniforms, you've told me that this is... Atrocious. This is what we learn on this show. They're minor awful. league uniforms stink. They never fit. It's it one size so fits all. so bad that I bought my own. That's how bad it was. You bought your own uniform. Not my top, not my jersey, because I didn't care how that fit. Yeah. But my pants, no question. Every year, you went and bought buy- my own pair of pants. They were awful. Was that like a comfort thing or was that like a dig me thing? Was it a dig me thing or a comfort thing? It wasn't like a Robbie Ray thing happening. No, they were awful. And I'm not wearing this. Okay. I'm a grown man. Grown men don't wear pants that look like that. Too short, too long. I mean, too long means like this much too long. Like feet. That's working on radio, man. Feet too long. All right. There you go. Anyhow, let's bring in Jeff Passan, MLB insider with ESPN. How you doing, Mr. Passon? We're celebrating uh, Barker Day today, mm. MLB debut. Not just Barker Day, but correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you have like a game-tying or game-winning knock? Yeah, I did. There you thanks, go. Thanks for thanks for noticing. I appreciate that. Wow, I yeah. didn't know that. I do. That means a lot, Jeff. I do. I do. I'm going to give both of you a chance right now because okay. I did say about, I don't know, Jeff, it's been a while. Since you were on, and I said that the the New York Yankees were peaking too soon, yeah, and yeah. Blair yelled and screamed, "No way!" And then I, if I remember correctly, the Jeff that's on the radio with us sort of did the same exact thing. No, they're a great teams. No don't way believe. they're peaking too we soon. We don't believe. So I'm going to give you guys the floor now to apologize to me on my 23rd I'm not, anniversary. I'm not, I'm not 23rd anniversary. You know what? Hold on. Hold on. I'm coming in here giving you a compliment, and you take that <laughs> as as a reason to go 
and and take a dump on my head? Uh, yeah, that's not well, good. It wasn't, really, it wasn't really a dump. It was more of a more of a whiz. Walk by. Yeah, a, wasn't a, even a, a drive by. It was a walk by. <laughs> was you just crop dusted me right I did, there? I did. God, this is really this is really good. Now going. let me let me. Let me let me say this. Let yes. me say this. The the notion of peaking too early mm. in August is perfectly fine with me. If you're peaking too early and you're having trouble the first week of October, isn't that when it's problematic? I guess. I'm yeah. sorry. The Yankees the Yankees are not going to lose this division. They're just not and they're going through a difficult time right now and they're looking like they're struggling and they are still they are still, even after all of this, on pace to win 99 games. Yes. Like let's let, let's not you know let's not look at what's going on right now as some sort of indictment on what they are. They are a very good team that was going to be prone to something like this because their offense is pretty one-dimensional, and the only question that I want to know about the New York Yankees going into the postseason is, is their bullpen healthy and is Giancarlo Stanton healthy? If both of those are yeses, then I feel much better about the Yankees' prospects. Can we, can we both agree that the separation between them and the Astros are huh, astronomical? It's a, it's Now it's all of a sudden, it's the Astros and everybody else. It's not the Astros and the Yankees. Can we agree there or no? I'm not there at this point. No? I think that I think the separate I think the separation between the Dodgers and everyone else is at that level, but I do not think the separation between the Astros and and the Yankees is quite there. Really? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I, I I mean I just you know just taking a look at what the Astros have been doing, um, mm-hmm. and kind of where they are and getting getting all their pitching back. But Lance McCullers Jr. is a big deal. Yeah. The. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I compare that to the Dodgers, though, and and I look at what the Dodgers are doing vis-a-vis San Diego, uh, in particular. And uh, I, I guess the way I would put it, I think there's I, I I think there's more separation between the Dodgers and Astros and everybody else than I than I may have originally, I may have originally anticipated. Um, what's going That's on? Fair. That's fair. This the San Diego thing. Like, did did the, did the Brewers know something about Josh Hader? No one else did. <laughs> I mean, probably. You know, they're they're the ones who have seen him all season. He has not acquitted himself well in San Diego so far. And listen, I I still buy the stuff. I I still buy the competitiveness. Um, I still think Josh Hader's elite. But uh, you know, I want to see something. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see that that version of Josh Hader that has been there and been the best reliever in baseball for a half decade running now. And the the reason that Josh Hader's been so great, just beyond the numbers, guys, what, what do you want before you call a reliever elite? I, I think I need like three seasons of performance. Yep. Just because to me, elite relief pitching is not just about the stuff or the numbers, it's about the consistency. It's about the year over year. That's why Trevor Hoffman even though his stuff was, you know, good, not great, but good. Year over year, he put up numbers. Mariano Rivera, Craig Kimbrell for a long time, or Oldest Chapman for a long time, because they're guys who did it year after year. Josh Hader has done it year after year, so I'm not giving up on him at this point. Do you think the Braves are the second-best team in the National League? 
That is a great question because I was trying to make that case when they had the series against the Mets a few weeks ago where the Mets ended up taking four or five, I believe. And the Mets just looked so dominant. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit off on something here. But it just looked like Michael Harris is going to win rookie of the year and he's batting ninth. <laughs> and, and not just going to win like rookie of the year in like a little piddly rookie of the year class. No, like he's having a fantastic year and plays an elite center field and is OPSing like 850. He's, he's extremely good. And doing this without Ozzy Alves in the lineup, seeing Vaughn Grissom slide in and instantaneously be a productive player, and, and then having rotation depth where they can go and throw out Max Fried, who I think is a – if he is not a genuine number one, then he is an extremely good number two. And, uh, I mean, how many number ones – how many true number ones are there in baseball? Not a lot. Uh, Spencer Strider's been great. Kyle Wright's emergence this year, fantastic. Charlie Morton's Charlie Morton, you know, as consistent as it gets. And then you look at their bullpen guys, and they've got like seven guys you could see pitching high leverage innings. Uh, so, yes, I think the argument that the Braves are the second best team in the National League, while uh, disrespectful to the New York Mets, uh, is something that absolutely could hold water. Jeff, the, the, the baseball players that you're around, did they put a lot of emphasis on experience this time of the year? Because you look at the Blue Jays, that's why I say this. The Blue Jays don't have a ton of it. Is that is that a big deal or we make too much of that? I think experience is is only a hindrance until you get it. Um, I don't know. I don't look at anybody who's in the postseason for the first time as the lack of experience being disadvantageous because like it's, it's baseball. And the second you go out there and realize – same game you've been playing for the last six months. Yeah, the, it's pressurized, but I'm sorry. Literally everything baseball players do is pressurized. Every at bat, no matter where you are, whether it's in college trying to get to the to affiliated ball, in the minor leagues trying to go up the rung, every single at bat that you take, every single pitch that you throw comes with an inherent pressure. And so the playoffs should be no different. Now, I acknowledge that they are. They are just by their nature, by the fact that at the end there's a very shiny, sparkly, uh, golden diamond uh, bauble waiting for you if you figure out how to ace it. But uh, I do not look at the Toronto Blue Jays and say their lack of experience deep into October makes me think any less of them. If I'm going to think less of the Blue Jays, it's going to be because of the deficiencies that they've shown over the previous 162 games, not some sort of, uh, you know, mystical idea that they don't have the juju that it takes to go and win in a certain month, which I think is a load of crap. Jeff, uh, getting back to the Padres for a minute, I know you're reporting on the Fernando Tatis Jr. situation. What has to happen next here? It just seems to me that somebody, and I don't, this is not, I don't think this is old man yelling at cloud territory. I, somebody just seems to need to get a handle on this and, and, and get everybody on the same page and start the yeah. process of moving on, don't they? Because this is getting this is getting silly now with you know Pedro and David mm-hmm. Ortiz weighing in, and then Tatis Junior's brother basically telling Pedro to stop pouring fuel in the fire. And I mean, it's doesn't somebody just have to 
get everybody together, whether it's an agent or somebody, or I don't know, and say, let's just come up with one message, get yeah. it out there, and then yeah, let's I, just move on. I mean, mom dropping the ringworm picture, mm-hmm. dad talking about, yeah, like the the entire thing has been pretty undisciplined. And in a situation like this, um, when you are following up uh, a broken wrist from a motorcycle accident with a positive PED test at 23 years old, um, that looks like a pattern, mm-hmm. right? And and so when when you have a number of undisciplined incidents, then discipline should be the, the most important by a long shot um, effort that you're undertaking right now. And that's just a matter of growing up, guys, right? I'm not going to blame Fernando Tatis Jr. testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs on some youthful indiscretion. Um, you know when you put something in or on your body. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know because you've been taught for years. So the idea that uh, this was, was something that accidentally happened, wh- whether whether it was an accident or not, is immaterial. Yeah. Like the there's a responsibility in being an adult and in being a Major League Baseball player who has all of these things on him, the, the pressure from being a franchise player, the pressure to perform, the pressure to do uh, all sorts of things and bring San Diego its first championship in the city's history. Um, there, there are all of those things. And when you sign a 14-year, $340 million contract, that is your pledge that I'm going to be up for that task. And for Fernando Tatis Jr., not only to have missed the first you know, four months of the season because of irresponsibility, but now to miss 80 games on top of that for uh, even more irresponsibility is a sign that uh, either he's going to grow up or this career that looked like it was limitless uh, could be, I'm not going to say in peril, but maybe not what uh, a lot of us, myself certainly included, hoped that it would be. Jeff, really good of you to join us today, man. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot. You're the best. Same. Hey, same to you, boys. Happy anniversary, Barker. Oh, uh, thanks. You're so nice. It's, no, I'm, I, if I if I may, just for one second here, um, as time has has gone on, I've grown more and more appreciative of how difficult it is to just very simply reach the major leagues and. The fact that you not only did it but stuck around as long as you did is yep. something I hope that you are immensely proud of and always will be. Very, very cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate really well that, said, Jeff. Thanks. Take Thanks care. a lot. See you, boys. See ya. Right, that's Jeff Passon of ESPN. Brought a tear to my eye. That was very nice of him to it say was. that. It was. I've told you that several times. That's why I always Jeff's a nice man. That's why I always get in your grill whenever you downplay. I, I ask you something. You know, dude. <laughs> You played. You, somebody gave you money to play baseball. That's mm-hmm. pretty. You know, they didn't always want to, but they did. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. Oh, it's fun. It was a good time. Well, a, I, I worked you, hard. You got a, you got a I, baseball card with I, stuff in the back. I, the one thing I can be proud of is everything that I got when I flipped my baseball card over. I know how I got them. Yep. No, it's really well said. It is that time of the show. Uh, Barker's back leg bits and. Um, uh, that's where we have uh, listeners 
send in questions to Kevin. You can DM me at SN Jeff Blair. And uh, we do have, wait, wait, this is very nice. A couple of uh, listeners. Uh, congratulations, uh, Barker, the anniversary. Oh. Um, somebody, as a matter of fact, wants to know, this is Mike B. Who was, I got to ask you this because, I, I, I am unfortunately I know what your answer is going to be. Your answer is going to be I don't really remember it. But who was, the, who was the pitcher on the mound that you faced that when you know you knew he was going to be in the mound, you felt you were going to have a good night against him? Was there any one guy who sticks out as a guy that you you know you saw that name? I, li- I like to think most of them because I was I was I want uh, full of myself when I was <laughs> when I was yeah. young. I had a little bow in me. When yeah. I played, I'm not gonna lie about it. Like I, I tried to control it and, you know, not let it, you know, show too much. But I, I felt confident in myself that when I got in the batter's box. Now it is the reality. Whenever they make adjustments, and that adjustment back is not the easiest thing to make, and that's what a lot of players sometimes struggle with. And I was one of those. So, yeah, it's you know, I look at certain like Kevin Brown at bats. Those were ones that those are challenge. Mm-hmm. Is with with. How good is how good are you as a hitter to match up against pitchers like that? So it's certain guys like that. There's not one certain guy, but I do like to think that most of the time when I stood in the batter's box, I had a pretty good chance and a pretty good opportunity to think that I was going to have success off of that guy. So I will say most of them. How's that? Uh, Jesse Glazer, last night after the MLB Network showcase game, uh, Greg Amsinger, Dan Plesak, and Bo Porter had a discussion about long-term extensions for Dansby Swanson, uh, the news that the Braves have started contract discussions with him. The conversation shifted to Vlad. What kind of deal do you think Vlad gets, and do you think the Jays try to eat his beers and sign him to a Tatis-esque extension, or they do a six-year deal and then re-up based on performance? I'd love your thoughts. Thanks. The reason I mention is we've talked about Vladdy's contract an awful lot. The Swanson contract intrigues me for a variety of reasons. Look, Alex Anthopoulos has done a lot of good work, but this is, and I don't know where this factors into, this is a big year for free agent shortstops. This mm-hmm. is a massive year for free agent shortstops. Mm-hmm. There could be a ton of guys going on on the market, and I don't know if Dan Sabi Swanson's looking at that and going, well, all right, there's going to be a feeding frenzy for shortstops. How am I really going to stack up against some of those guys? Maybe Dansby Swanson just likes being in Atlanta, and he's, if, if, if Atlanta... You know, gives him a pretty good place value. Yeah, uh, he, he'll want to stay there. I, I just don't know how. I don't know how you would come up with a comparable for Vladdy yet. I, I don't. It's tough. I, I think it's about what he makes a year. That for me, if you're him, you know, the Tatis right. Junior is their buddies, and and I'm sure it would. He would think if it's long term and it's a lot of years, it'd probably be somewhere in that three forty ish. Range, but I'm not sure Vladdy wants that. I, I'm not. I can't say that for a fact. But I, I, I wonder if it's more about you know you give me a bunch of money per year. See, I think I like was, you're like you're talking five year at forty a year, something like that's what Vla- I'm talking about. Vladdy Senior actually signed a multi year contract with the with the Expos when he when he was there. Different times though, mm-hmm. different times. Um. Yeah, I. I don't know how Vladdy, we've talked about this, how he views going year to year, how he views free agency. Because, again, the simple fact of the matter is um, he, he's not a Dominican kid who came from nothing and, and you know, and, and needs the money. I mean, his 
Father was very comfortable. His father he's made, made a some ton money, of money too. He's okay. Money. He's I'm made some money too. He's mm-hmm. he's. We t- you talk to some people in home. Vladdy's Vladdy's taking care of himself financially. He's no got question. some off-field stuff that no he question. does. I'm sure his money is safely taken care of. He's. You just wonder what the what the what he would want a year and how big of a deal that is to him because that's the first thing you hear is even Soto. Soto turned down the 15-year thing or 14-year thing, whatever it was, because it sounds like he wants 10 at a giant number. Even Passon said that. Yeah. Would Vladdy be any different? Why would Vladdy be any different? Same kind of age, same kind of sort of player. You know, I know he's having a little bit of a down year, but he's still an aircraft carrier. Like, you're going to have to give him. And would that sort of be what Vladdy wants? Because I would think if you're young, you want as, bu- as much money as quick as you could possibly get it. Why would you want to wait 10 years, 12 years, 15 years to get it? I know. So that's a that's a question I think that only Vladdy can answer. I think that's right. Uh, very quick question from Nathan James. People say that Aaron Boone protects his players too much. Is managers getting angry at players and calling them out a thing of the past? Just a couple seconds here, Bark, but I like the question. That would just tick me off. Well, you don't think I'm trying? I mean, if I'm not trying and you're seeing that, you have a right to do that. But if I'm trying and you're lighting me up and telling me how bad I am to the media, yeah, I mean, you're going to have problems. I always thought the thing a manager manager has to do is just not add any further fuel to the fire. Don't kill momentum. Yes, exactly. That is it for us. We'll be doing Blue Jays Talk on Sunday afternoon. Don't forget, tonight's game is only available on Sportsnet 590, the fan on radio. It's an Apple game. It will not be in TV. Two-day games Saturday and Sunday. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday from 10 to noon Eastern. Thanks for listening to Blair and Barker.